Even if Tom's dick doesn't fit, do not acquit. And you could have a turtle time, but why not have a kiki? Oh, you guys. I can't believe we're doing this. I'm apologizing in advance specifically to this guest. It's Andy's Girls. It's an emergency episode. It's after one in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, the best time to say that Tom Sandoval sucks. And I'm so excited for this return guest, a multi-hyphenate. You know her as the host of Reality Checked on Radio Andy and Pop Crime on Betches Media, who covers everything from pop culture, TV, celebs, trials, my personal favorite, Bagel Friday, of course, Bravo TV. She's also known as the talk of shame. Welcome back to Andy's Girls. I feel like you've been on, this might be your like 20th appearance at this point. It's probably more than that, Right. I, well, yeah, I want to start keeping track. I want to go through because I want to be like those SNL who are like very much like, you know, this is my seventh time hosting. <laughs> Truly, we need to get you a letterman's jacket. So welcome back to AG Kiki Monique. Kiki, how are we? This went Tuesday night, your time, Wednesday morning, mine. I know it's super wet here, but, <laughs> you know. There's cliffs falling off. You know, L.A. is underwater. It just—it's not. We're not used to this sort of weather. Wait a second. Did a cliff go into the water? I don't even know this. Or or into the the dirt. Or the, yeah, the, I mean, you know, hillside? rich people. Rich people love to build houses right on cliffs around here, and you know, because we don't normally have weather, they don't think about it. And so now those cliffs are just sort of you know breaking off and. You know, wouldn't be me. Let's just say that I can. I know how to build a house a, a far back from a cliff. I don't need to be right on top of it. I don't need to prove a point. Well, that's because you're a New Yorker. And let's keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's keep it real. Is this an East Coast, West Coast thing? Because right? like, it don't doesn't need to be. But Yeah, I, I don't stand on the edge of the platform on the subway. Like nobody needs to be this close no. to anything. <laughs> People think that like yellow line or whatever is just that it's not it's not this stop. It's just slow down. It's like, no, bitch, it's the stop. It's the don't go closer. You don't you don't want to see what it is that you might. Yeah. Um. So listen, Kiki Monique, you know, any chance that I have to chat with you is one that I treasure. And while I need to have you on stat to deep dive my Roman Empire, Kyle and Mauricio, which is something that AGs might be sick of at this point, but I will never stop mentioning it all about that marriage. Um, I do want to get your thoughts on something that has taken over the Bravoverse, this surprise drop that uh, was published by the New York Times and the New York Times Magazine earlier today or yesterday, depending on what time zone you're in, by Irina Alexander, the title of which is Tom Sandoval Became the Most Hated Man in America, a title that truly proved its point when several of his quotes became viral immediately upon release. Um, You've had a chance to read it. It's extensive. What's your immediate kind of reaction? You know, here's the thing. My immediate reaction, I know that there's certain things that obviously we're going to talk about that get pulled, those those big quotes that come out. But I'll be honest, the mo- the part I'm most impressed by, because I feel like 
I've been trying to scream this from the mountaintops, and I'm finally glad that a New York Times journalist just said it out loud, was the food at Sir is terrible. Even, but the line was around the block because, oh my God, the food at Sir is terrible. (laughs) It's really, I've only been there for the ambiance. I've had a delicious seltzer. I don't even know if it came with lime, but I made do. Um, I don't know that I've had the pleasure of trying anything. And it sounds like I'm fortunate in that. Yeah. And like, again, I don't think people, obviously, they don't go there for the food. And I get that. Um, But that was, to me, I was like, you know, I'm glad that's finally in black and white print because everybody needs to know. (laughs) They really do. And I feel like with Scandoval and and Sandoval and anything VPR and frankly, Bravo, there's typically like a tongue in cheek kind of humor or tone. And then there are the pieces that are just eviscerating, like really well done. And honestly, I would think like a resounding success. I think of the Bethany profile, but also take down uh, which I, as a cottage cheese truther, really appreciated um, on New York Magazine. And this writer, Arena Alexander, if I'm not completely fucking up her byline, did such a fantastic job of making us keenly aware of her perspective and connecting it to Tom's behavior in real time. It's not enough to be like, this man is out to lunch. It's she does the job of like giving enough space while connecting the dots to say he has lost all perspective and sense of self. And frankly, who are we to understand where he even started at this point? Agreed. I mean, I will say I truly appreciate her taking us through um, Tom's entire journey as a Macter, right? From 2004, you know, so many people... You know, I remember the early aughts, but I was never in L.A. in the early aughts, but I saw a lot of it on TV. And it really, I have to remember, like, this is a guy that was a a background model on the hills, you know? And, you know, like, what, what would we expect? He is a living Zoolander. I would expect nothing less than the... Tom Sandoval that we were getting in real time, which is why even today, I couldn't, like, as I was reporting on this whole George Floyd, OJ Simpson quote, I was doing it literally laughing because, not because the comment was funny, but because that's just how ridiculous all of this has become. And I expect kind of nothing less. And this is also the thing of having someone with sort of niche specific, um, but some carryover, obviously, to name recognition, but not the money or access or interest in listening to a team willing to, like, coach him. You know, like, he doesn't necessarily have the money to afford the kind of crisis PR that might be able to guide him. But even if he did, my guess is that Tom genuinely knows it all and he's not going to listen. So instead of having 
some sort of conversation about his perspective and like how to move through this. He has a 23-year-old, shout out to Riley. Was it Riley? Riley. Poor sweet Riley, who made me feel like I was on the Golden Girls reading this thing (laughs) where she's talking about how she loved Vanderbump Rules in middle school. And I was like, do I sign up for... What is it? The AARP. Can I sign up for the AARP? Is that like a BOGO with my New York Times <laughs> digital subscription? Because the number of times, Irene Alexander, who I who I appreciate and respect, the number of times she referenced and quoted Riley talking about her youth, I was like, enough. Like it was just, it was so funny. But Riley talking about how she loves Von Dutch because it's back in style. I mean, There was a lot there to unpack. The most important thing to me is like Tom is willfully oblivious. No, but I thought that was such an important uh, element of the story because I do think that like while most of us, right, might get a little uncomfortable if we had someone near us when we were like, yeah, remember and we're like, oh, my God, but that's so cool now. Von Dutch is so cool now. And we'd be like, oh, cringe. I think that he was having fun with that. He likes having someone who thinks he was cool at a time and is sort of like retroactively cool. Like, you know, and and he refers to himself as a celebrity now. Like, and and I'm not going to say he's not because he is very recognizable, but just the fact that he's very aware of like I've never been single as a celebrity for before, so this is a new is just so telling of like, yeah, it's it's really hard to kind of get through someone who really believes those things about themselves. Also, he's never been single as a celebrity before, but that hasn't stopped him from fucking other people who aren't also his (laughs) girlfriend. So the LOL of like, wow, Tom's new adventure dating other people. I wonder how he'll react to that. Didn't we watch an entire (laughs) season of him being single? It was living single. He wasn't, technically single but he was living single yeah he was living his best life for sure so you referenced the the quote that has gone enormously viral i want to uh read it in full if i can both the quote itself and the paragraph that followed because i do think that they're connected um and sidebar guys up on the ag patreon i do a full 75 minute reading of this goddamn pulitzer worthy um piece that i will uh frame at least some of the pictures of tom on my wall for whatever purposes i decide um so here is the quote in full i asked sandoval why he thought the scandal got so big I'm not a pop culture historian, really, he said, but I witnessed the O.J. Simpson thing and George Floyd and all of these big things, which is really weird to compare this to that, I think. But do you think in a weird way it's a little bit the same? I looked over at Riley, who was typing furiously on her phone. I think I knew what he meant. He was trying to express the oddity of becoming the symbolic center of a nationwide discussion and a major news story. What he communicated instead was something more honest, which is just how much the experience had made him lose perspective. And I was incredibly curious for your thoughts and reaction to that. Well, I also liked the follow-up, though, of Riley when she was like, looked at the journalist and said, you know, sometimes he just says things and then forgets what he says and then leaves and goes upstairs. Because I don't 
do I think that Tom was saying anything? Was he referencing George Floyd in a way other than it being a big story? No, absolutely not. But this is the problem. Like, you are a public figure. You have to have media training because this is just what happens. Like, I understand what you may believe in your head, but you have to be able to communicate that in a way to the masses because what we have learned, I mean, even as us, as social media users, we could say something exactly as we mean it and it still gets taken completely the wrong way. (laughs) So for you to just sort of say things out of your head that aren't fully formed, you got to know how this is going to roll. And so it, it was a dumb mistake. And, you know, I, I would think that for sure he would have probably, obviously, it seemed that Bravo was aware of it because according to the journalist, <laughs> you know, he was sort of like, they did not, he did not, he was not available the next day to Have speak. And they oh, offered well. up, you know, other Bravo lebs that perhaps, you know, she could talk to instead. So they knew how this was going to go, you know? And, um, you know, we live in a world where you get that one soundbite and you know your article is going to hit. And that's just the risk you take, right? When you, you know, you, you, you when someone as big as the New York Times come to you, you're like, I'm going to risk it because it's worth it. This was going to be a rehab piece for him. We know that, you know, this was his chance. And he unfortunately said that. And, and this is the way, <laughs> this is the way it goes. So I, I have, um, I'm I'm not going to say I have empathy, but I understand how this went all wrong for him. But he should have known better. He's been in this game, as he said, since the early aughts. And I know you've only sort of come into your, quote, celebrity, but you've been in this business long enough. Come on. I think it's why he's on Vanderpump Rules, though, because... He's willfully ignorant. And I don't mean about the specifics relating to George Floyd. And in that sense, I have to take O.J. Simpson entirely out of it because it's just such an unwell, not even comparison, but grouping. It's like it comes from a place of just, un- I don't know any other way to say it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like, like there's 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 no reason that, yeah, you should even be putting OJ Simpson and George Floyd together even as a as a comparison for anything you're talking about someone who was on trial for murder and somebody who was murdered so already that doesn't make sense so then you just have to immediately think like you're just throwing two black men who were in, so that makes it even weirder so all of it is weird and there's so many things you could have said Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton you could have said like there's so many things you could have said it's just weird that that was the first thing that you went to And why? Yeah. And the way he said it was like, I know this might not be great, but maybe it will. Like, this is why he's Tom Sandoval, because he's just so fully himself inside of his own experience while denying the reality of like both his behavior and how it affects anyone else. And painting himself ultimately as the victim. 
It also goes along with, you know, the journalist talked about how, you know, he didn't refer to his, you know, age really in years or that everything was referred to in seasons or, and I just think that's how he goes through life. Like when he hears George Floyd and OJ Simpson, he, he lumps it in with headlines. He doesn't actually separate it out from something different. Um, And that's, that's the problem. Like everything is like, yep, in this season, yep, in this headline, yep, in this pop culture moment, even though he's not a pop culture historian. (laughs) He's not. He apparently thinks he is, but he is in fact not. He followed up with a response when everyone fully dragged him to hell and posted an Instagram story saying, my intentions behind the comments I made in New York Times Magazine were to explain the level of national media attention my affair received. The comparison was inappropriate and ignorant. I'm incredibly sorry and embarrassed. You know, it was a very just like he he did that. He definitely did that. He didn't talk to anybody. He was like, I got to put something up like I'm just this is it. I'm embarrassed. Um, I mean, because what else can you do? I mean, I don't even know. Does he have a team? Because I don't, I mean, I definitely don't know if I would have that same team that maybe was there that day because it it wouldn't have felt, you know, they were protecting me. So I don't know who his team is right now and and who is guiding him. Um, But yeah, he definitely did. I felt like he did that on his own. I communicated with someone. I think it's the person, I haven't looked through my emails, but when I was covering his New York City concert, um, of which I am a survivor, I reached out to his team for an interview and (laughs) to see if he had any time backstage for a piece that I wrote for the Daily Beast. He was not available, (laughs) which was not surprising at that point. And then sent me a statement after of like how happy the tour made him and to like see his fans, which was either there was like a grammatical or spelling error, which I felt was um, was honestly the perfect fit for the kind of response I was hoping for. And I think the name of the manager, but I thought the name of the manager sounded like the name of the person I was communicating with who I thought was introduced to me as his publicist, but I could be wrong. Or maybe it's musical chairs. The article did mention that Riley's boss did call the journalist um, because when they finally met up with him again, it was sort of a different, it was a much more higher level team that was... uh, around Tom that time. So clearly, um, you know, they had someone senior there and you just would have thought they would have been there that day at the New York Times piece day. Why didn't we start with that? Like have the executives over at Bravo HQ watched Vanderpump Rules? Why did we think he had this under control? Well, that's the thing because you know what? If, um, the Nick Vile podcast didn't come out until, like, he didn't record that until, like, after this. Mm-hmm. So I think that if we, if that had come out, then they probably would have. I think they probably thought that things were really, he had things under control. Because at that point, he hadn't done too much press, right? Like he had it, he had just been sort of being himself. Um, and I think they thought like he can handle this again. This is going to be a puff piece, a rehab piece. You know, it's going to be, you know, all of those things. They didn't think he was just going to start saying George Floyd. Like of all, it just felt very like 
Why of all the of all the things, just say, don't say those two words, please. Say any two words in the English language except George Floyd. And I don't think they would ever thought he would have said those words. During Black History Month. <laughs> well, they didn't know it was gonna come out during Black. I mean, they did this was in December. They, they probably didn't know they didn't know it was gonna come out in Black History Month. I did have someone DM me and say she felt that the Times had withheld publication until Black History Month. And I tried to, ex- I mean, you're shrugging. I just as a as a writer, I haven't experienced publication and deadlines in that way. I do not think while I certainly think there are genuine, understandable reasons to take up some frustration with the times with other coverage and editorial decisions there is not a part of my being that ever thinks that anyone on the editorial staff would make a decision like that because while they no longer have a public editor it, it just it would not that would that to me just it would not happen that would not I've happen watched, i've watched too much i watched that whatever i think it was that monica i think it was that monica lewinsky doc actually about, you know, how rage is created and how rage sells and how, you know, certain words on Twitter, X, whatever, you know, create these sort of viral moments. And so it's like, I understand what it takes to sell stuff. So, I mean, I'm just saying, did it it cross my mind? Yep. Did it? (laughs) Absolutely. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Ovs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. So I thought it was dropped on a Tuesday because that's when VPR airs. I know, but there's plenty of Tuesdays between December and February 1st. That's true. It's also a long piece, though. That's like eight bajillion words. Even if I even even if this was supposed to come out in February and I knew what I had, I'd say, let's do it March, whatever. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my God. And sort of along those lines, so I watched, I haven't seen the new VPR because I was recording essentially an audio book, reading this entire uh, piece. But so I haven't watched tonight's VPR, but I did watch the Watch What Happens Live, anticipating and expecting that this would be addressed in some way. And then as I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, the energy here is kind of like, and we're having fun, everyone. This is a fun episode. And then Andy gets to the mazel of the day in the jackal. The jackal is some green snake somewhere, like a, a real snake. I thought to myself, we couldn't even do something about Sandoval, assuming it was, in fact, live, which I think it was. I could be wrong. I, I thought it was pre-recorded, but then oh, they did the poll. Be. But then they did the poll. So it's definitely seemed like it was live. How do we feel about Bravo not reacting to this in any way? It means that they were just as caught off guard, which is never great. And I'm not saying 
And I'm saying that's never great for someone like Tom Sandoval because I just feel like they now have to scramble and like know how to respond to this. And I know that they didn't, like after all of the original Vanderpump firings for racial discrimination, like all of these things, and now it's kind of a weird place, right? Because there was that reckoning at the moment, all those people got fired, but half of those people are now back on our screens in the next week or so. (laughs) And so it's just an awkward time for them because it's like almost a slap in the face of like, we thought you reckoned, you got rid of these people, and clearly your house is still a little bit fucked up. So I have to imagine it's just feeling awkward back there. It's like when Ramona was fired for being racist until Jill tried too hard to negotiate legacy and they were like, Ramona, (laughs) come back. We've got a vacation for you. It's going to be great. We'll give you even more cash. We've got Jill's to spare. Like, you know, bravo. And And again, like, I think that's why I'm saying like, Bravo has has been very uh, smart about rebranding on pause. They've really got, they've really taken us into believing like nothing is forever, and we've we've and we've signed off on it because the people that we don't want to go away, we want there to be a chance. But then when we do that, we have to realize there's also a door open for those people. Maybe we don't want to come back because you can't have it both ways. The interesting thing in like Bravo being caught off guard is I would believe that more if it wasn't if them understanding what Tom said wasn't a huge part of the piece already. Like the piece was about interviewing Tom and the process of attempting to continue that interview after he hugely fucked up in which Bravo, um, Alex Baskin the network, a senior member of comms is now like introducing herself to Tom and saying he made her a great mocktail while she's attempting to babysit this reporter. Like, it's not that they didn't know they weren't present because Riley was talking about Von Dutch, but they knew after that point, which the fact that people think I I can't, I, I can't even get into it. I would please go to Kimosabi instead of that. Just don't. We can't bring it back. We, no. we just we've been through so much as a country. Yeah. We cannot go back to trucker hats. Um, but all of that being said, it's like they knew that he fucked up. They knew that it was very, very bad. So while they might not have known the published date, they knew that something was coming. I just don't, I don't know that I buy into like, they didn't respond because they weren't aware of when it was going to drop. I just think that they have too much attached. Vanderpump is their shining star right now. And like, they almost probably were like, ah, we just got to see what happens and see how bad it is because we have too much invested in this. And you know, if they could squeeze another two or three seasons out of Vanderpump, they would because there's enough trickle down at this point that they could make a lot of money off of it. Because just, again, from the people who just started getting into it from the scandal point and going back, you know, that that's, it's, it's a huge audience. So look, from a, I can always look at stuff from a 
business perspective because I am a business person and I'm always like, how, how would I try to make the most money? And yeah, like he, it, it, he's a big, he's, he's your, he's your racehorse, right? He's, you want, he's the one you want to bet on because the reality is he's such a fucking mess that he also makes the show fucking great because he's such a fucking mess, right? I wonder how long this is going to go on. Like Alex Baskin himself noted, it's really fucking hard to film the show right now because how do we look at a person breaking the fourth wall when it's not just about the experience of filming, the media attention, the uneven ways that some uh, uh, cast members have been able to really, really successfully monetize this scandal, which is me not criticizing in any way, but just understanding there's a discrepancy between folks that are involved. And then you have people showing up to take photos of all of it, like which aspects of the fourth wall breaking can they focus on and sort of cobble all of this together without being swallowed whole in the aftermath of the scandal? Um, all good questions, which I have zero answers <laughs> <laughs> What a day. This has been like a nuts day. I feel like I'm high after reading that whole thing. At a certain point, I was like, where am I? I know I'm technically in the clawfist, but it feels like I'm in a suspended reality reading this piece that I thought was so effective, but also not alarming, but like to spend a day in Tom's head to think about the fact that he was upset that he didn't receive closure from Rachel, which he deserved. I mean, there are some some things that he said that I know he believes where I'm just like, I'm not totally getting this, sir. What What's owed to you at this point? The thing that's so funny about all of this is um, I just did an episode on pop crime with, um, and I can't remember the two journalists right now. I feel so bad because it's late. Um, but... It was one of the journalists who did the um, PR story in New York Mag that was all about, um, that was back when uh, la, the chick who ran into the the people at the, um, oh, in the uh, Hampton. Oh, Lizzie Grubman? La, Lizzie Grubman. It was called, you know, po- Power Girls. It was called, it was on New York Mag. <laughs> oh and God, it was I like, need the, to reread that immediately. Okay. Oh so God. yeah. And, and it was like that. And, um, you know, that went on to a reality show. Anyways. Um, and we were talking on the episode because we were actually talking about because one of the other journalists was the one that had interviewed uh, Kylie Jenner for the Forbes article when she was becoming a billionaire because she was there just like, you know, trying to talk to her and Chris about, you know, you know, all of their financials. And we were just talking about because the, the two of them have interviewed so many celebs like she had interviewed um, Kim Kardashian for her first Rolling Stone and all of this. And I remember, you know, when I was up and coming and wanting to be like very young and like was very much like I want to be a journalist. I remember reading these pieces and being like, yes, like this is true journalism when you're when you're spending like a week right? With a celeb, you're going shopping with them. You're you're going to have lunch with them. You're showing up at their house. And we were saying how like that sort of interviewing doesn't exist anymore because now you have all of these people, these teams, they block you, you know, you get certain times with them and it's not spending a lot of time. And I was saying, you know, I think that's why a lot of these um, 
older celebrities that have been around for a long time, the reason they've been sustainable is because they were part of that old guard. When we got those interviews, we really got to know them. And now these newer celebrities, we don't, you know, everything's cleaned up. We don't know them and I don't feel attached to them, which is why we like keep recycling these older celebrities. All that to say, in that long-winded version, it was refreshing to see an interview like this because they don't exist a lot of times. And while Tom maybe didn't come off great, he did come off human. And I just think that there is a more sustainability. I know it sounds crazy. The more human you are, because think about all the, like there, there was rage today that we hadn't seen since scandal days. And what I'm saying is like, if you can still get people riled up in that way, it's effective. And is that a bad thing? I don't know. But uh... (laughs) I mean, it's a really, really good point. And Tom expressing ego in the way that he did so consistently and at length is not something we're necessarily going to see from a housewife. No. We used to, mm-hmm. but they're more tightly controlled. Like think of the new cast of New York. This would never ever happen. It never. could have happened with like old New Jersey, maybe Beverly Hills, I don't think so. Orange County probably definitely older generations, but you would probably have to catch them on a day that they're filming it upset. You know, like there's something about Vanderpump Rules. You have to kind of wonder, is Tom Sandoval maybe the only one left in the cast who's so comfortable being fully himself? Yeah, it's true. Like, I don't think Schwartz, but Schwartz is a very different personality type. I think his kind of like laissez-faire is a part of his sort of yeah. structured personality, you know, like mm-hmm. the adorkability of it. Like I'm so cute and fun and like squishy. Like look at me. Agreed. I mean, I think that uh Katie would be more tequila Katie if there was more tequila Katie like uh partners in crime around her, but I don't think she, you know, everyone's sort of like Get the kids and the, you know, they're not like there's not that same element. I think I think that tequila Katie would come out <laughs> if allowed. I mean, Katie's responses on our pal Dill's um, social media about this, <laughs> where she's like, I can't wait for my ex-husband to essentially attempt to defend whatever the fuck we just That read. comment section was great. It made it, it made rounds everywhere. It was amazing. Yep. Gertie commented in, on it. And then separately, a uh, cast member Jordan from mm-hmm. Martha's Vineyard commented. Candace. Of course. Yeah. On Twitter doing her thing. Uh-huh. Um, had some great points. It's fascinating to watch the Bravo Lebs um react to this and kind of say, like, this is completely fucked up. I'm curious as to what some of Tom's other cast members might have to say. Is Ariana gonna have any thoughts? I don't know. I think she won't even like address it. Um, and truthfully, like, you know. I feel like this is what's so fucked up too. I bet Tom, even though he was like, he's annoyed that this happened. I bet he's still at home going like, 
Uh, and like all those people commenting. I mean, they're just trying to still like, they're getting shine because Vanderpump's so big because they're just trying to hitch their, their wagon to our star. I mean, I think there's a part of him that's like, I've still got it. <laughs> Look at me. I'm still the center of attention. I haven't quite figured out how to pay my mortgage with it, but I've certainly got a lot of people, you know, click in the New York Times link right now. But he he I didn't realize until this article, I didn't realize that when he had, because I didn't listen to Tom's podcast and I guess Dr. Drew had come on his show and declared he was not a narcissist by the DSM-5 standard. So, uh, okay. Yeah, Dr. Drew, a licensed absolute piece of shit, being like, <laughs> I declare as a guest on your podcast that you're totally fine and A-OK, and that's all anyone needs to be concerned with. That man should not be saying anything about He should be putting <laughs> Tom in like celebrity public relations rehab. Like, where's that show on VH1? Maybe Bring Digital. it back or bring it, bring it to for I know the celebrity re- rehab. Okay, but I'll, I'll take any celebrity rehabs again, please. I'll take them all. Also, can we take a moment to talk about the fact that per arena, the folks on the mountain show of like, we're training to join the military and he's carrying Jojo Siwa on oh, his Oh, special back, forces? Sure. Are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. I was like, are we adding up everyone together? I'm sorry. You're getting several per cast member? Yeah, I, I, I definitely heard it was like a quarter million, half of, I, I thought they were making pretty good money on that show. That's like wildly good money. Yeah, I mean, and I was also shocked that they were being very open and transparent about the salaries of, you know, they were saying that the season cast members on VPR are making 35000 mm-hmm. an episode. I mean, good That's money. Like- that's a good, I mean, that's nothing to sniff at. Although you know, um, yeah. Alex had some thoughts. Alex Baskin had some thoughts about Rachel saying she wasn't compensated to be like, oh, and she made $19,000 an episode over 18 episodes per season. So, you know, she wasn't exactly clipping coupons over there in Tom and Ariana's house at Valley Village. Like you could make the argument she didn't monetize it as successfully, but maybe next time she can play a different part, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But I'm actually curious to see how she's actually doing on her podcast because it actually seems to be doing pretty well download-wise. And I don't know, maybe she's making pretty good money at that. I mean, she did put out that clip package for her 10th episode with all of the clips of Sheena being like, she's not going to have anything to talk about by up 10. And someone said who edited this in the comments. And she was like, it was me. It was like my dream. I, I forget the specifics, but like this was my goal to do over the course of a day and a half. I yeah. mean, she's got talent. It was a good reel. It was funny. I'm not going to lie. It was I laughed. I I a hundred I had a I had a little chuckle and also she knows far more about how to make some goddamn clips than I do for example so I should maybe listen to that podcast and learn some stuff. 
<laughs> I don't think that would necessarily be the worst idea. Listen, Kiki, thank you so much for coming on this episode and having a chat. When is the Lizzie Grubman? Because you got my my keen attention. I need to listen to that immediately. When is that, that episode? Out? That episode is already out. We have a new episode coming out this week. I actually did an emergency, another emergency episode this week um, on the Risa Tisa uh who the fuck did I marry TikTok drama that's been unfolding because I got sucked into that. So I watched all 50 parts of her, her story time and I literally just recorded that. So that'll be out this week on uh, Thursday. Um, and then last week I did Housewife and the Hustler 2 recap with Dylan, um, which was really good as well. So those are the the, the uh, episodes coming up. And then I have some fun episodes. I'm excited uh, that should maybe hopefully coincide with the New York, uh, the Roni anniversary, which I think is like March 1st or something like that. I have a, a fun episode. I, I'm trying to plan for that. There's a few um, on the set with Nickelodeon. I know that's coming out in March. So I'm going to do an episode with, uh, so there's a few, I think I have a Jorn Vandersloot I have a psychiatrist coming in for that. So I have a, 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 several fun episodes coming up. But this week, Risa Tisa. <laughs> Which I only know because of your Instagram stories and also our pal BBDB, Bravo, Bravo, Ducking, Bravo poster because I'm not on TikTok. I need to be on TikTok. I Which is why that. I do these episodes because I know people like, you know, they're not on TikTok, but they sometimes hear about it. So I'm like, let me just give you the recap so you can just get all up to speed and you don't got to go to the talk. I really do appreciate it because I'm genuinely scared of TikTok. Like, I'm scared that I'm going to, like, fuck up the algorithm by, like, watching too many guinea pig videos. And then that's all I'm going to get. And my Instagram Explore page is, like, Pedro Pascal, guinea pig videos, and then things I find violating. Like, weird food <laughs> stuff or, like, people yelling. I'm just, like, I don't know how you guys – how I don't I don't want to explore this. But I, I do love um, guinea pig content. So mm -hmm. I need – I just need someone to watch, I guess – like good TikTok stuff so that TikTok feeds me more of that and not what I actually want to watch. No, just let it be you, girl. Let it be you. Okay. I do love a guinea pig moment. So I guess that's where we are. Um, Listen, we haven't had you on the pot. And by we, I mean the royal we. It's literally me and the glove is talking at 1.50 in the morning. Um, I haven't had you on since you were announced newly installed as the host of Reality Checked. What day are you... Is it... It's by... Structure it's by, by days. Day, right? So my days are always Monday. And then Thursday is sort of like a rotating day. So every once in a while, like this week, I'm Thursday <laughs> as well, but that's always on Mondays. That's a really, really, really big fucking deal. And you entirely deserve it. And I couldn't more highly recommend that in addition to listening to your podcast, people tune in to Reality Tracked. And I do have a beg for you, which is that the Bravo gods over at Radio, Radio Andy get you booked on um, Jeff Lewis Live. Because okay. I want to see it. I think it would be a great, great pairing. I know that your energies would be incredible. And as a chump, which is what Jeff Lewis Live fans um, have anointed ourselves after David Bedore tried to drag Jeff Lewis and <laughs> failed spectacularly at doing so, um, I, I would love to do it. So if we can just spread the word to the folks at uh, Radio Andy HQ, I would love to see it happen. In the meantime, where can people follow you on social? Mention it all. At the talk of shame on Instagram and TikTok. 
incredible. And guys, there's literally three, I think, Patreon episodes that have gone up in the last 24 hours, including Truly a Reading Rainbow, the entire 900,000 word um, Tom Sandoval, New York Times piece extravaganza. I get into the nitty gritty of a lot of the moments um, that we did discuss and did not in this emergency episode. So listen to that and several others that are up at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. I'm so thankful that tonight at 1.50 a.m., we, in fact, did have a Kiki. Kiki Monique, thank you so much for hopping on this emergency Zoom. You know I adore you. I look forward to every moment that we have the opportunity to have an AG collab. And again, I can't say enough about how excited I am. It's going to be a tomorrow thing. I'm going to go for a little stroll in New York City and listen to Lizzie Grubman everything. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> very, very excited. Thank you. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Send me your satchels of gold, your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things Sandoval, New York Times. DM me on Instagram and I will hopefully record um, a satchel spectacular at some point in the next three years. And we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.